Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogyourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. Joined with me this time is Liz Thomason. Liz, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, living the dream as always. Uh, so go ahead and start off with what we always start off with. Tell everybody where you're calling from as well as what kind of dogs you run. All right. So I'm in Southeast Michigan and I have a male Weimariner named Gibson. Why a Weimariner? So that's a very good question. Um, I actually always thought I'd get a short hair because my first dog growing up was a black lab short hair oopsie that we got (laughs) as a rescue. And he was fantastic, just like the best dog ever. So I was like, oh, I love short hairs. You know, everybody's got labs. Like, that's what I'll get when I get older. And then I was working at a dog rescue. And this little old lady had gotten a wine puppy, a female wine. And she was like 80 years old and lived in a mobile home. So not exactly a good fit. If you know anything about limes, they're pretty big and high energy. So she surrendered her at about six months old. And my mom had just started talking about, you know, maybe being ready for another dog. And I was like, you got to come see this dog. She's fantastic. Like so sweet. You'll love her. So needless to say, they brought her home and I just fell in love with the breed. She was just so good. Like with my niece, like loved people, super in tune like as far as wanting to please and i mean i like big dogs and she's a big girl like 75 that is that is a big dog yeah so that kind of like switched me over like maybe i want a gray ghost you know instead of a short hair so i did some research i got on a wait list i was on a wait list for about probably a year and a half and then i ended up with gibson all right and so gibson it this is this isn't the dog that you went to look at when it was six months old, is it? No, he's a completely different dog. Sadie, unfortunately, is gun shy, so my parents do not hunt with her. Gotcha. But um, I got him, and 
I, I know like you usually ask people like what's the biggest mistake that you made you know, as a trainer. <laughs> yeah. My biggest mistake was getting a bird dog puppy without having like a bird dog plan uh, because I was like, okay, I'll get him. You know, we'll do obedience. Maybe I'll do like some rally obedience stuff with them because I, I had never bird hunted before. I grew up listening to my dad talk about, you know, quail hunting with my grandpa with their setter and, you know, that kind of stuff. But you know, we didn't bird hunt. My dad deer hunted and we fished and all that. So I, I didn't know how to get into the bird dog world. So I started with obedience with him and he was real sick when I got him. So like the first year was pretty much me just like trying to get him over Giardia and get some weight on him oh, and, man. you know, keep him healthy. And then we got into a puppy obedience and that's where I met some really good friends of mine with their large Munsterlander puppy. And I asked the lady that was running the class, like, you know, how, how do you know anybody that does bird dog stuff? Because this is not enough for him. Like, we he can do obedience stuff all day. And he's like, yeah, this is fine. But like, he needs more, right. you know? So she was like, actually, you should talk to Dale and Natalie over here. So I went over to talk to them. Um, they were like, you should come out to NAVDA, you know, bring him out. He was about 13 months old at this point. So I went out that Saturday and it was pretty much like game over from then. I never left. You're hooked. And yeah, I was definitely hooked. So we started like bird intro that Saturday on a dead bird. The next Saturday he saw his first live bird. And the Saturday after that I ran him in NA. <laughs> <laughs> so that fast. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty quick. So I, I, I want to get it I want to get into that real quick, especially your first NA like that soon. Like you don't even know what's going on and you're just thrown into the fire like that. So I I want to get into that. But also I'm curious. What what was Gibson telling you? What was he doing that when you went to do obedience, you you advocated for him like he needs more than this? Like he needs help. Like was he doing stuff in the backyard? Was he just pointing wild robins or something? What was he doing? Yeah, he exhibited like some pointing behavior as a little puppy because when I first got him, I was living with my parents and they've got some land. And um, he'd point birds in the backyard there. When I got him from the breeder, they told me like they had – had a dead rabbit in their backyard that one of their older dogs killed and they didn't know it. They let the puppies out and he was the puppy that went and got the rabbit and was dragging it all over the yard and like, didn't want to give it up and loves rabbits to this day. But yeah, it just, I knew he was a hunting dog. I knew his mom hunted and his dad, you know, had his junior hunter and all that. And I, I just felt like I was doing my dog a disservice not to look into that more. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a, a good thing that you notice that and actually follow through on it because a lot of people, you know, as we know, especially with our friends at bird dog society, you know, too many working dogs end up in, uh, whatever you want to call it, it <laughs> the pound yeah. essentially. But, uh, so let's get into, you go in there, you're, you're doing bird intro, then the next week you're, you're, you're doing an A. What, what was it like just getting thrown into the fire like that? You're just standing in front of judges at the NA test like, okay, I have no idea what to do. Just kind of guide me. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure I told the judges, like, I've, I've been here twice. Like, this is literally the third time he'll have ever seen a bird. And they just kind of looked at me like, you know, I had four eyeballs. And I was like, nope, they're telling me the tr <laughs> truth. <laughs> um, it was an absolute disaster. He caught every single bird. Mind you, he wouldn't swim because I'd never done like water intro with him. 
Um, so the Friday night before his NA test, I'm out like, you know, up to my chest in the water <laughs> with cheese puffs and ham and, you know, everything to try and get this dog to swim. And he's like, mm, no, yeah, so wow. I, I was like, we're going to do it. You know, we signed up for the test. We were actually on the wait list. And I got a call that Thursday from our test director saying they had had a drop. And I was like, yeah, might as well. Yeah. You know, what, what can it hurt? You know? Yeah. And that's just so, it. it. You know, we, nobody goes to these tests wanting to fail, obviously. Like, why <laughs> why sign up for a test and spend the money and the time just to go bomb it, right? Like, everybody wants to do well, but it's not the end of the world if if you fail or don't hit the score that you necessarily want or strive for, but it's not the end of the world. Right. And And my thing was, it'll be good for me if I'm serious about this as a handler, to get comfortable with the test format and like see what's going on. I mean, honestly, sometimes I'm like, well, that was my biggest mistake because he caught all these birds and then it took us a while to get the catch reined in and get, you know, the point back. But at the same time, like it was such a good learning experience that I can't really say it was a mistake, you know? Yeah. So what what was the overall results? He's catching birds, not going into water. So I'm assuming a no pass, but oh, he did not prize at all. He had a <laughs> terrible score. And, did and you... I was like, great, I have a dud. <laughs> well, did you did that feed the fire or stoke the fire, I should say, to where it's like, OK, we're going to come back. We're going to redo this test and we're going to do it right. Yeah, he unfortunately aged out before I could run him in the NA again. But um, I joined VHDF, the Versatile Hunting Dog Federation, yeah. so I could run him in their um, hay test, their puppy test. And his NA test was June 3rd last year, I think. And then the hay test was August 5th. So we had about two months, you know, to work him. I got him on a bunch of pigeons. Like, you know, I have some really good friends and what I consider mentors in our chapter that kind of took me under their wing and, you know, helped me a lot with him. And we had him pointing beautifully for his hay test. He goes in the water on a send, like doesn't need a bumper thrown or a visual or anything. You know, he loves to swim now. His track was beautiful. He was like one of the only dogs, I think, that day to catch the pheasant and bring it back almost to hand. It would have been to hand if another friend hadn't called him over. (laughs) But um, yeah, he did fantastic. So to see the turnaround on him in such a short amount of time, I I was like, yeah, we're we're going all the way. I mean, I about how um, long was that test from the NA test experience? Two months. Two months. Two months away. So, Mm -hmm. was it just exposure, just going out on the weekends, putting them in situations, getting them comfortable around birds, just bringing it out? What What did you do? Just go out there and get them used to water. You know, how did you overcome that? So. We'll start with the water. The water, I ended up having to get in a kayak and leave him on the shore with two of my buddies. And because I was, you know, like I said, I was going out and basically swimming to try and get him to swim because he's definitely a bit, I wouldn't call him a Velcro dog, but he's, he's my dog. Like yeah. if I'm leaving the room or something, he's like, mom, where are we going? <laughs> but um, he, you know, he still wouldn't come. And finally, my friend was like, you're going to have to get in the kayak and like, go out and try to drag him out. And so I got in the kayak, I leave him on shore and I get about maybe 20 yards or so. And I see him like looking around at the guys, like 
you're not leaving me here with them. <laughs> and he just like, gets in the water and starts swimming. And they're like, drag him out, keep going. You know, so we did a nice little loop around the lake. And it, it was pretty much like the light bulb flicked at that moment, yeah. you know, and he was a good swimmer after that. We started working on, you know, the sends with a bumper and then no bumper and you know, all that. And, Perfect. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And it's sometimes it, you just need him to think he figured it out on his own by him going after right. you is it's like, Oh, I can swim. Right. And it's just, <laughs> and then it, it just sticks. Right. And so sometimes mm-hmm. that's all you need is that light bulb to go off. And that's why we say exposure, just expose them, then go do the NA level testing. You don't necessarily need to quote unquote train for NA, you know, just expose them and, right. and see their natural ability because that right there is just, Give them the opportunity, a fair opportunity, but not the night before with a bunch of cheesy poofs or anything like that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's I also know quite a few people who who have successfully accomplished water intro with some cheesy poofs. It's (laughs) it it is what it is. Uh, So talk to me that this was obviously last year. Mm-hmm. going into hunting season it's one thing to train it's one thing to start wrapping your head around the fact that oh i have a bird dog i want i have a hunting dog there it's another thing to actually go hunting so did you actually go hunting yeah. in your first season with him yep we um we actually only missed probably like two or three weekends in the woods last season nice. I so love it. yeah we took a few like extended midweek trips a couple like extended weekend trips um few day trips you know it once i the first time i went i remember i called a friend of mine and i was like dude this is amazing it's like i'm like a little kid running through the woods with my dog again (laughs) this time i'm carrying a shotgun and i get to shoot it (laughs) that's so just rough grouse i'm assuming or did you mix other things um he did get a few porcupines that was not (laughs) great experience (laughs) A but, few, so um, not not just one and a few. Are we talking two, three? What, what uh, are we talking? He got two two quills. He pointed three total, which it's nice that he's pointing them yeah. in a way because I'm like, at least you're giving me like a little bit of warning here. You're not just like attacking. But yeah, um, the one time that he got it, he had pointed and a friend's dog was coming in and it's another male and i think just the competition of yeah. the other dog he was like oh, no, this is my porcupine and went to grab it <laughs> no how would you do that yeah it's like you don't get to get stuck in the face that's my job yeah, yeah exactly I'm like, you <laughs> idiot so what was your initial response to that you know being foreign i you know i've dealt with a buddy in the field their dog came across a porcupine i helped with that but i my dogs haven't come into that encounter yet knock on wood but what was it like you figuring it out brand new to this did you were you equipped with it did you have the the forceps or or pliers or something to pull them out what did you do so the first time i was just trying to pull them out by hand i didn't have the the forceps or the hemostats i obviously carry them now um but i was lucky most of the time i'm hunting with friends and they've seen it all so they were really helpful and you know like hold his head you know get him between your legs and be real quick about it and fortunately it wasn't too bad you know i'd say at most maybe like 20 quills okay but yeah so did you did you bother going to the vet just to sanity check it nope um 
if I hadn't had anybody to talk me off the ledge, I probably would have because yeah. he's like my child and I'm like any little thing he needs to be checked out for. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, and once we got him all out, we checked him real good, you know, his mouth and under the tongue and everything. And I mean, he was pretty much unfazed too. It was like, as soon as we got the last one out, he's like, okay, let's go like find more birds. Yeah. I love it. So success, you know, did you see him grow? If you're hunting that much week in, week out, you're, you should see some growth. You know, how was he handling grouse or any wild bird for that matter at the start of the season compared to the end of the season? So at the start of the season, I mean, I'll say this. He was over a year old, obviously, probably around 16, 17 months old when season started. So he's still just like a huge puppy. And with him not having a ton of like bird exposure leading up to the season, I didn't really have super high hopes. I was kind of just like, it's a puppy season. We'll see what happens. Um, I did see him point some grouse, point some woodcock. I have to work on my shooting or he's not going to want to hunt for me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Problem we all share. (laughs) Yeah. So it was good. I did see some growth. It was It was really cool to see how the first few times we went out, it was like he didn't really know what we were doing out there. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like he knew what he was looking for. He was kind of just like, oh, we're in the woods and I'm running around and this is fantastic. I can run for days. And I'm like, no, you got to like find stuff for me. (laughs) So by the end of the season, he had started to, I think, figure it out a little more. He actually started to back um my friend dale's large monster lander lottie which was super cool to see like probably the highlight of the season for me honestly to see him start trusting another dog and being like oh she's on point so there's got to be a bird there Mm. and and so did you ever connect on one over him like did he ever point one for you didn't connect Yeah. No, he pointed up and there was one particular woodcock he pointed and I could see it. Like after he pointed, I saw the bird move and then he moved and then I didn't shoot it because I was like, oh, well, he moved. He like didn't stay steady. I shouldn't shoot the bird because everyone had been like, don't shoot anything. He doesn't point. And I'm thinking, well, he's not pointing. He took a couple steps and they're like, no, but he did point. So you could have shot that one. Yeah. And that's. That's each their own, right? You know, mm-hmm. I get asked quite a bit from listeners, you know, how how strict should I be on this? And to your point, like that right there to where that's a fine line. And you're talking about a very young dog who's piecing it together. He established a point. Yeah, he took a few steps. I probably in that situation would shoot that bird myself. And then that's the expectation. So now we're going to try and improve on that. Like if he took two steps, well, the next time you're not allowed to take but one step or none right. at all, right? You, ha- you have to build up, you know, kind of give them that 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 biscuit, so to speak, uh, on occasion. That's the yeah. way I look at it. Some people would argue and, you know, in the bird dog world, everybody argues about everything. But uh, <laughs> this this is kind of each their own. If, if, it, if you're talking a young dog piecing it together, I'd say shoot that and then back down on the requirements. Let them know like, hey, you did good and, and stuff like that. But right. so you, you saw a change. He He's obviously backing. He he established points, even though we didn't connect on it, which, you know, mm-hmm. it happens. But yeah. did you see a change in how he was hunting with you? Was he going with you? Was he checking in on his own? Like, talk to me. Were you having to control much of the hunt with him? 
Not a ton. More for my own peace of mind than anything, just because, you know, it is all new to me. Um, you know, and it's he's my first bird dog. So getting out there and, you know, just turning your dog loose and then you don't see them because they're, you know, in the middle of the grouse woods. So you can't see this far in front of your face half the time. Yeah. It, it was a bit of a leap of faith on my part to be like, he's going to be fine. Like this Mm -hmm. is what he's meant to do. And he checks in on his own. He's got, I would say great cooperation. Like it, it definitely has come with time. Like I think being in the woods last season together, strengthen that a bit. He started to realize that like, we're doing this as a team. It's it's, you're not self-employed out here. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially I think going from hunting season and now we're back in, in training season. And even when we went to a pheasant farm in February with some friends and did like a preserve hunt, his working style has just changed so much from last year to this year. Like he's always been a big runner, but now he's like covering ground, not just running. Like he's working and looking and searching and he's hunting. And it's just, it, it's so cool for me to see, like, it just brings me so much joy to see him doing something that he loves and like getting better at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what keeps us all going. It's just when you start seeing them piece together, the puzzle, light bulbs going off, that's the addicting part. And that's also what you described earlier perfectly is I'm a kid running through the woods, (laughs) chasing my dog, right? Like it doesn't get any better than that. So when hunting season ends, you did the preserve hunt in February. What, What did you do? What have you been working on this spring and summer so far? What are you trying to get prepared to do this upcoming fall? Because we're not very far away from it. I know it's sneaking up, but, um, our plan right now is to do his utility test in August. I actually just ran him spur of the moment in the utility prep test a couple weekends ago. Um, our chapter, our NAVDA chapter had a drop on Sunday and there was no wait list for UT and we were all talking about it. And I jokingly said, Oh, I'll just run Gibson. You know, he's not ready for UT yet. And everyone's like, Oh, you're doing it. I'm sorry, what? So that'll teach you to make a joke. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm going to keep my mouth shut from now on. But they're like, yeah, you're going to run. So Saturday afternoon, I finally was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So Sunday morning, we got up, we ran UPT. And I mean, he got a prize three. I couldn't be mad at that. Yeah. He did great. He didn't want to come in from his duck search. I had to go into the water to get him out, which to go from a dog that wouldn't swim to like, he doesn't want to quit until he finds the duck. Like, that's great progress in my mind. And that's basically what we've been working on, you know, is just UT training. So steadiness and he's, he's honestly doing great. Like I, I'm not someone that likes to like brag on myself or or my dog, but I'm like, yeah, he's good. Like he's pretty steady through the shot. Like his retrieves are usually within a step or so, unless he wants to go show everyone what he's got. But we're working <laughs> on that. And then, you know, like duck search is not a problem for him. He loves ducks and I'm pretty sure he loves them more than he loves upland birds because he's allowed to catch them. Yeah, I can see that. 
I've I've seen yeah. quite a few dogs, my Muncie included, to where she she took a liking to those ducks probably more so than the upland side. Yeah. So what it what are you predicting or forecasting at the utility test? Like what's the main challenge with him? It sounds like steadiness maybe in the field, just kind of reading between the lines. Yeah, his steadiness. I'm I gosh, I don't even want to say anything because I feel like I'm just gonna jinx myself. His steadiness, I'm honestly not too worried about because he I think with having such a strong obedience background with him whoa he picked it up real fast and I usually don't have to woe him in the field and then once we started doing the blank gun and like tossing a dead bird you know when he'd go on point we'd pop a pigeon fire a blank if he stood through it fire another blank toss a dead bird and let him have the retrieve he loves the retrieve so much. His retrieve drive is so high that like taking that reward away from him when he wasn't steady, he he started to figure it out really quick. Like, oh, if I stand here, I get to go get the bird. But if I don't, mom's going to go out and wave it around <laughs> and be like, oh, look what you didn't get nah, to nah, get. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. No, and that that's that's something similar. We all, especially our first ones, is just figuring out the steadiness. It's uh, it, you go into it thinking that maybe the retrieve is going to be the issue, and then very often you're in the field like, man, get set. And it's just it's just a learning curve. And you know, I t- yeah. I try and tell everybody, especially the ones that are intimidated or or maybe reluctant is probably a better word to to describe their desire to try force fetch their dog. Mm. It's like I tell them like, man. Honestly, like it, it can be intimidating when you first start, but I would my argument is for at least some dogs or majority of dogs, there's probably more pressure on them on the steadiness side of it than actual force fetch if you kind of go through the steps the correct way. But right. uh, did, so did you force fetch Gibson yourself? Yes, um, I definitely had some when I say help. Not, I have done all of like the hands on work with him, but as far as like picking other people's brains and like watching videos, I watched um, like the Perfection Kennels video on there, like Perfect Retrieve. I, I've never done an ear pinch, obviously, with him being my first bird dog. So I was really hesitant to utilize that because I'm like, what if I don't do it right? Like my timing has to be so perfect, you know, like. am I going to be able to like do this effectively? And I've been using e-collar with him all through obedience training. So I'm super comfortable with that and familiar with it. And the timing on that, I feel like is just so easy in a way. So we did all of his force fetching, if you want to call it that, his trained retrieve with the e-collar. Yeah, I got you. So you, you, kind of gave a teaser at the start of this or earlier on about the mistake, you know, so I I have a feeling (laughs) that there's a good quality mistake that we're about to hear. Talk to me about the biggest learning curve that you've had, especially it's first off, it's admirable that, you know, you recognize your dog needs more than just obedience or companionship in the house. And then you go from that recognizing to just getting thrown in the deep end this fast. And then not only just getting thrown in the deep end and even failing, you're not failing, but not passing. Oh, definitely your, failing. Your, yeah. <laughs> P- people get, get picky on the semantics or, or the word description of testing results, but no. you don't pass the NA test. A lot of people will be like, you know what? 
I'm not a bird dog owner. And then you've gone full on into it to where you're even hunting. I want to hear what was the biggest learning opportunity or mistake that you had uh, throughout this kind of journey over the past year? Mm. I don't know. I feel like there's so many. Honestly, it's hard to answer that question because I feel like I'm constantly learning and like training is such a, a challenge, which is part of why I love it so much, I'm sure. But I mean, letting him catch birds was definitely not a good move because yeah. it was real hard to rein that back in and get him to point. And even now he can be a greedy pointer. Like he'll catch scent, but he wants to be like right there on it. And he I'm wants like, to no, see no, no. him. Yeah. And it's not even that he has to always see him, but like he'll catch scent and you'll see him like, you know, he's got scent and he starts like working in. And then we just have started popping the bird, you know, as soon as he catches scent to try and yeah correct that basically. And it, it is helping, but um, it just takes yeah, time. Yeah, takes time and reps. Well, good deal. So, I, you know, that's the, as you alluded to earlier, that's one of the main questions that I ask on every profile episode. So, here's the second episode. Is there, is, or second question, is there any episode, topic, guest, or anything that we've had on the podcast throughout the years that you've particularly enjoyed or maybe it's been helpful in some way? Um, I really liked the episode that you did on Timber Doodle Limes, obviously. I think it was like episode 157 because I was like, oh, my dogs. <laughs> but um, I actually really enjoyed the episode that you just did with Rick Smith. I mm. thought that episode was fantastic and there was a lot of really good information in that. Um, I love the mindset of like always learning, like always trying to be better and to me, it's like we're trying to be better for our dogs to make it easier for them to learn what it is that we're asking of them. Yeah. You know, because it dog training, it really comes down to like taking the confusion out of it. Right. Like you want it to be very clear what your expectations are and you want to be fair about it. Like I can't just start yelling whoa at him when he doesn't know whoa. You it know, I never worked on whoa with him. I, I taught him stay. So like, I actually, this ties in perfectly last hunting season, a friend of ours, their dog's on point. Gibson's running in. He doesn't know how to back yet. You know, he's just a big dumb idiot in the woods and they're yelling, whoa, whoa. And we're back here. He doesn't know why. <laughs> you know, you so, can keep yelling. It. He's, he doesn't he's speak English. Do <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, I mean, that, that's, that's so many of us can relate to that. I mean, it's, it's so true. You know, there's, you enter this world and there seems to be this mythical like perception of the word woe as if the dogs come out that they're just supposed to understand what woe and, and the word <laughs> fetch, like they're supposed to come stock with those words in their, in their glossary, so to speak. But, uh, right. yeah, this is not the way it works. So Liz, no. I'm, 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 I love stories like this, just getting thrown in and, and not only are you, you doing it, but you're, you're having fun with it and you're succeeding and you're growing in it. It seems like, you know, you're just going to keep on just knocking one thing off. Are you already looking at possibly adding a second dog to the stable at some point, or are you just going to keep concentrating on Gibson for a while? Um, I have plans to get a second dog, uh, probably 
I'd say at the earliest next year. Um, we're, like I said, UT training this year. And if everything goes the way that I would like it to and hope that it does, we'll hopefully be invitational training next year. So nice. yeah, that's my goal with him just because I think a, I think he's capable and B, I think it'd be super cool to go all the way with my first bird dog, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. That's the plan for him. And then, um, as far as my second dog, I've basically totally fallen in love with my friend's large monster lander, the one that was in our <laughs> puppy class. So if she ends up having a litter, that's where my second dog will come from. Going large monster right now. So you got yeah. the short, short hair, gray ghost. And now you need a longer hair. Yeah, long I need tail a dog. fluffy dog. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Well, you'll have to let me know how you do on the utility test as well as kind of keep me plugged into the hunting season and, yeah, and how sure. Gibson per, progresses. It's, it's amazing watching a dog in their first season go from knowing nothing and not even knowing how to hunt to all of a sudden they're hunting and piecing it together that second hunting season though that's that's my favorite because you actually start seeing it especially after a full year of training and utility and training and all that like it's really fun seeing them actually put the skills that you develop into use and uh, if you hunted that hard last year without you know actually coming away successful so to speak you know quote unquote this year should be even more magical or more fun for you going through the woods like a little kid. Oh, for sure. I can't wait. Like we've been talking about it probably for months now, like how much I'm looking forward to second hunting season, how much better I think it's going to be. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be like an amazing grouse dog just because he is, I mean, he's like 75 pounds and he crashes through the woods. <laughs> so he's got to figure that out. Otherwise he's going to spook them all away within like a hundred yards. But, um, it should be really good. I'm yeah. looking forward to it a lot. Well, real quick, last question. If you've already developed his duck drive and, and you said that he's really loving ducks, uh, do you have any plans on trying him and duck hunting this year? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm going to do, I don't have a duck boat, so we're going to do some shore hunts unless we can hook up with some buddies that got a duck boat and then we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I really want to do some waterfowl hunting with him. I think he would love it and I love to eat it. So it's a (laughs) win-win. Absolutely. Well, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you found Dale to help guide you. You know, first off, sorry that Dale had to be the one to guide you. Right. (laughs) Uh, I know he'll luckily he'll get... it's not just Dale. There's like a broad group of people that have been yeah. very helpful. Yeah, well, Dale's a great guy. I'm glad that you guys were able to link up and, and that you're enjoying it so far. And I, I look forward to hearing how it progresses and uh, the improvements throughout the year. So you just keep at it, and uh, I look forward to updates. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.
Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.